in this edition of Hoopsology. Justin welcomes the host of the Miami Mic'd Up podcast and the silent reporter for the Miami Heat for Bally Sports, Jeremy Tache. Tache recaps a very eventful season following the Heat's appearance in the NBA Finals. We also break down why Jimmy Butler is one of the most underrated players in the league and discuss the odds of Damian Lillard being traded to the Miami Heat. This is an awesome chat. The Heat have been through a very tumultuous offseason with a lot of uncertainty, and Jeremy brings some insight as to what's in store for this perennial um, Eastern Conference favorite. So don't want to miss this chat. Without further ado, Jeremy Tache. He is the host of Miami Mike Up Podcast, and he covers the Miami Heat for Bally Sports. We welcome Jeremy Tache out to Hoopsology. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be here. Appreciate you uh, having me on the show, and it's a long time coming. We've been having this conversation for a while, so grateful to be here. Yeah, and thanks for joining me. As we talked off-air, when I first reached out to you, um, our conversation is going to be a, a little bit different, to yeah. say the least, compared to now. So I just want to get kind of an overall, just a general question to ask you. What has this, I guess, when from the Miami Heat, their participation in the NBA Finals to now, what are kind of your overall feelings yourself, the fan base, and just the players just in terms of what they experience within the NBA Finals to now? Yeah, I mean, so I can't tell you much from the player perspective and that media day is coming up in about a week. So sure. I'll be able to check in with them a bit more and, and understand a little more about what they've they've felt like as individuals over the last couple of months. But I'll tell you from, from both the coverage perspective and from the fan perspective, um, it's been a weird summer. It's been a weird summer and that you had this team that um, I think – Strictly looking at the fans, the fans were feeling very antsy about going into the postseason. A team that, you know, a lot of people were wondering if the core of this team was sort of at the end of its rope, right? Looking at a at a team that had made it to the finals but looked sort of exhausted again by another regular season of battered down with injuries and everything of the like. But then they peak perfectly at the right time. Um, they play their best basketball. They look like the team from the year before. Yeah. And it gets all of these fans sort of understandably attached. This is this is a team. Last year's roster is as beloved as any, I think, amongst Heat fans in that, you know, it was this sort of like ragtag group that figured it out. Um, and, you know, and that includes Tyler Hero, by the way. That's yeah. like, regardless of the fact that he wasn't in, in, in the run during the postseason, he's included in that group. And so, yeah, this group that, that everybody loved, um, but also a group that a number of Heat fans had mixed feelings about during the regular season. And so then you come up just short of the title, um, and you're talking about a fan base and an organization that is not just happy to be there. They, they want to win. Um, you know, that, that's the expectation. And so you get to the off season and then all of a sudden, not only is it rumors start circulating, Hey, Damian Lillard might be available, but it's Damian Lillard wants out and Damian Lillard wants to be in Miami and Miami only. And to think that now we're sitting here months later after those reports after that request, it's been such sort of, I think, emotional, God, emotional turmoil feels heavy. This is sports yeah. and it's sports rumors on trades. Like, it's really not that big a deal. But I think the, the fan base has probably done 
a 720 on how they feel, right? Where it's you start in one place, you flip the other way, you come back around because it's been so much time of sort of overthinking what what these trades can look like, what the future will look like with either version of what it is that you do, whether you're trading the farm for Damian Lillard or you're holding on to the assets that you have, the young pieces, including Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin, all the way down to Nikola Jovic and, and Jaime Hawkes. So it's 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 been a, a weird and emotional couple of months because you have this group of – mind you, also multiple guys now gone. Right, who were a key part of this wonderful thing, and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and and even Victor Oladipo, right? And and it's just um, it's been a a wildly uneventful, eventful off season, I think, for, for the Miami Heat. Um, in a way that heck, by the time anybody's listening to this, could be even that much more eventful. So who knows? So I want to zoom out a little bit and just some background on, on this podcast. We started during the pandemic, and every year it seems like the, the heat has been a huge point of conversation where we do our season preview. And I'm looking at the the, the heat record here, and they're just since the, pan, the pandemic and from the bubble to now, I honestly think they're one of the most disrespected teams in the NBA in terms of just how they fared in a postseason compared to like the Lakers, Celtics, and some of the other old school teams of the league. Yeah. So I just want to ask like is yourself and like the fans, like, is there a chip on your guys' shoulder in terms of how, you know, when season previews come around, the Heat are usually not discussed because honestly, since the bubble, the Heat have been probably one of the most top teams in the league, and yet they're usually ignored until playoff time. I think that's a it's a great question. Um, and let me preface for for those listening in your audience who don't really under understand or know my own background. Look, I I grew up in South Florida. I was a Heat fan before I was someone who covered the Heat. Uh, you can find clips of me from college on our college student run TV show being an obnoxious Heat fan uh, before being a journalist. And so now I work for Bally Sports. I cover the team. I'm a sideline reporter. And so. Um, you know, the saying for Bally Sports is the heart of the fan. So I, I'm not shying away from the fact that I know what the emotions of the fan base is and that I am one of those people. Now, I can take off that hat in order to do the job where I have to and and, and where I need objectivity. But I think the, the biggest thing for me is is being able to understand how it is that the fan feels. And when you look at what these last few years have been, when you look at what that run was in the bubble, which, you know, at the time people were calling a fluke. Yeah. Um, looking back at it, I don't think that there was a more accurate representation of great basketball than the Lakers with a healthy Anthony Davis playing quite literally the only purely efficient great basketball he's played of his entire career like the best basketball he's ever played alongside LeBron James still playing elite basketball getting there against a heat team that was playing like a perfectly coached Villanova college team like it was it was it was perfect and you know seeing the quick turnaround and how that in turn affected the heat and their sort of collapse early in the playoffs the next season and I just think that that there's this collective feeling amongst the Heat fan base that ever since the big three, nobody wants the Heat to win. And whether that's accurate or whether that's something that's sort of concocted within this Heat culture lore, it doesn't really matter. 
because the fan base and the team feeds off of it and it creates this energy that I think like in a lot of ways is unmatched across the rest of the sport. Like this this little feeding ground of heat culture and what it represents is something that I think is really unique in all of sports and like I feel very fortunate to sort of be in the orbit of it because it's it's a really fun energy and for the last few years where you've had this core that that has been not only successful but had sort of a flair for the dramatic it, it's been a perfect combination so i want to zoom in and discuss what you mentioned earlier damian lillard and i've been a huge fan of his just i mean it's, it doesn't require any long story of why um he's one of the best players in the league what do you think makes Miami appealing to him? I mean, there's other teams certainly that have a great chance of winning, but it seems like he's dead set on Miami specifically. What do you think is the appeal for him? And like, why is there a holdup? Like, what is what exactly? So just basically what you said earlier in terms of Miami not wanting to give up too much, or yeah. what? What exactly is kind of the the red tape in terms of getting this deal done? Yeah, this is a this is a good multi part question because it is it is layered. Um, it, when it comes to Dame wanting to be here, um, the reasons are, are pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Like as to what makes it attractive, um, forget the no state income tax that exists in Florida and getting to live in Miami, which is just great to begin with, you know, forget that stuff. Those are easy sells. But when you just look at the organization and the structure, since Dame has been in the league, he's watched the heat be successful with multiple different versions of themselves, with multiple different stars, with multiple different lead guys, with different young cores. It hasn't mattered. The Heat have been successful. They've won. They've gone to the postseason. They've gone deeper than they're supposed to. You see that, and that's appealing to someone who has not had the type of postseason success that he would like to have for the type of dominant player that he's been. He's, he's reached some heights that I think... Some would actually call more impressive than you would even expect considering the rosters that have been around him. Sure. But not the success that he, that he would hope. And you see the Miami Heat and you go, all right, that's a team that's constantly overachieving with their roster. Then you look at the actual roster. Who wouldn't want to play alongside Jimmy Butler if they were a dominant scorer? Because Jimmy, he'll be the first to say he doesn't want to score. He's a guy who who can go out and score 54 points against the or 56 points against the Milwaukee Bucks and have one of the most unbelievable postseason scoring performances you've ever seen. But if it were up to him, he'd have 15 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, a couple of blocks, a couple of steals, and play the best defense you've ever seen. And so who wouldn't want that to be your wingman? And oh, by the way, if you're Damian Lillard, who better to play off of offensively? than Bam Adebayo, who, by the way, will anchor your defense and potentially be a defensive player of the year candidate. So when you look at your sort of surrounding stars, I can't think of two guys who can complement Dame and what he does and what he wants to accomplish much more than those two selfless players in Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, who, again, were the Heat's leading scorers who led them to an NBA Finals, and yet both would probably prefer not to score. And so that's the perfect compliment. And then you look at Eric Spolstra yeah. and the type of coach that he is, a guy who has been a wizard 
in building offenses around, again, a multitude of different types of players with a multitude of different types of styles. You have the dribble handoffs in Bam's repertoire, a two-man game that can exist that maybe for you can finally be akin to your version of a Draymond and Steph two-man game. I mean, there's so many things that would be appealing about Miami, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and everything else that the Heat can surround you with from there, regardless of what the trade looks like, whether they're having to give up everything to get you or one piece and getting to keep some others, no matter what that is, I think there's an obvious reason why there would be an inherent trust that that organization, that coach, those surrounding superstars can provide stability and success through the you know, tail end of Dame's prime into the twilight of his career. So I guess let's play this out and let's just say Damian lands in Miami. Um, let's go perception, I guess, expectations versus reality. Mm. Um, if he does land on the heat, does, does that make the heat the number one team in the Eastern conference? And is it kind of championship or a bust if the trade goes through and, you know, if, you know, they go to the NBA finals and even if it's a close seven game series and, you know, things can happen in the finals at sports, you never know. Right. Um, will the fan base have a different reaction to that compared to last year, just in terms of not being able to get it done? Like, what do you think the yeah. expectation, the, the vibe of the town is going to be like if he's there? Yeah, I mean, look, if, if Dame comes, like, this town knows how to party when there's a superstar here, right? Sure. Like, <laughs> like we know how to do it. Uh, we know how to turn it into something that's special. And, like, based off what the last, what, 50 to 80 days or whatever has been, everyone's going to hate the heat if the yep. trade happens. Like, so it's going to go back to, like, th that sort of ultimate chip on your shoulder. Everyone hates us. They hated the original Big Three. They hate us now. That type of vibe. And I think it 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 will be championship or bust type expectations, but I would argue that's the type of expectations the Heat will have for themselves, whether they make a trade for Dame or not. Like that's how this organization operates every single season, even when they were being led by a duo of three point shots from Luke Babbitt and Wayne Ellington. Like it, you know, it, it, this is that's how this team and organization thinks. Um, but when you talk about like what it will feel like if there is a trade for Damian Lillard, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find me a team in the Eastern Conference that I'd be willing to look at as a greater favorite to win it than one with that core of three players of Bam Adebayo, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, and Damian Lillard, particularly considering the way that their games should complement each other. Like that's the difference. Um, I would think between this this team um, and some of the big threes or big fours that we've seen in recent years that haven't found a way to gel. Um, one, sometimes that's happened in a place with a new coach who's never coached stars, who's never managed egos, um, who's never managed touches <laughs> for, for those players in a way that's very serious. Um, and also has been with players with redundant skill sets. Yeah. Um, that doesn't exist in either scenario here. You, you've got players whose skill sets all complement each other, offensively and defensively. And you've got a coach who quite literally, like, perfected managing the egos of a big three um, in a time where it was the most difficult. So 
those hurdles that normally exist in in gelling together when you have these sort of you know quote unquote super teams created um i don't think miami would have as many of those issues now anything can happen um and this is all easier said on paper than executed when now we're already in the late september right we're getting we're getting close to training camp this is now not a team that made this trade in june yeah. or july and you know all got to hang out and practice together for 6 weeks unofficially um it would be new chemistry and you know a real change right i mean it, from a chemistry perspective already like i mentioned no Gabe Vincent, no Max Struess, no no Cody Zeller, no Victor Oladipo. Like, not that all of those guys were world beaters as players, but they all mattered to the, the chemistry of that locker room. Yeah. And it'll certainly change a lot more if there's a massive deal made for Damian Lillard. So there are things that can change. There are personalities that obviously could potentially need to learn to gel together. Um, but to me... There's no reason that if this trade happens, the Heat shouldn't be favorites in the East. But my my obviously somewhat biased opinion is that the Heat should still, whether there's a trade or not, like Tyler Hero is a dang good player. Yeah. His team was really good last year. They had a weird regular season that was full of ups and downs and injuries and sort of more strange than you would realize that just was a few games away from being a middle seed in that conference. Like... This is still a very good team that that is not to be messed with in that conference, sort of regardless of what happens. So you kind of answered my next question, and that is if, you know, Lillard, if that trade does not go through, mm -hmm. I think the team is fairly resilient um, and just moving on from that. But I just want to ask from a player perspective, their names being mentioned in trades, would that have any kind of effect? Or I, I would assume my presumption would be is that they have overcome so much in previous seasons that, the you know, talk from the national and local media that will matter to just move on from you know not getting Lillard at the moment I mean I would think so right this is the first time uh because really I mean when we talk about these guys Hakez and Jovic are, are being involved in this for the first time ever Hakez gets drafted and he's immediately thrown into it so for him he almost knows nothing different and I <laughs> and I I'd like to think in some ways it almost can't affect him um the two guys that you really think about are Caleb Martin and Tyler Hero Right. As young guys who have established themselves, who have been in two different versions of it, but paid by the organization who just want to be here uh -huh. like desperately, both of them. And it, it's had to be a real wear and tear on on both of them. And, and let me say, particularly Tyler, huh. who every single year, because he's the quote unquote asset and that's where things stand in this sport has been linked to being traded to some town that is across the country where he'd have to relocate his family, his partner, his two daughters. Like he's, he's a, a young guy with a young family who now has had to spend his entire summer wondering whether or not, he'll be shipped across the country somewhere else without a choice. Yeah. Um, my bet would be that does have some wear and tear on you. <laughs> like that does affect you. Um, that said, knowing Tyler hero a, a bit like 
<laughs> from being around him and experiencing the way he speaks with us and the work that we've seen from him on the court in games and behind the scenes, like he is the type of person who will just use that to, to as motivation, like to, to become a better player. I know the type of work he's put in this off season. I can guarantee you he'll be a better player the day he walks through those doors in a couple of weeks than he was the last time we saw him when he broke his hand. And this is a guy with a really, really, really high ceiling and big potential in his, in his future. And so I can imagine that this offseason has been an emotional one, that if there is no trade, there will have to be some very real heart-to-heart conversations amongst the players, amongst the, the front office and those players. All, all these people are going to have to have some really just real conversations with one another. Um, but again, if there's an organization, a structure, a group of personalities... Um, and that, and that does come down to the players and the, and the types of guys that they are, um, that I believe can figure it out and put that past them to be able to go win basketball games. Like that's this group. They've, they've kind of, they've kind of overcome so much as a core over the last few years that there's no reason to believe that they couldn't do something like this once again. So I want to get your perspective on this and just <clears throat> looking over the league, I would say since the Jordan era, there seems to be a lot of this angst towards teams, just loading up superstars and I guess automatically hate coming to them and all of a sudden doom and gloom, that team's going to dominate for like a decade, even though that's not true. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And yeah, it doesn't happen. And I'm, I'm just wondering why that is, is because I just, even with the whole Miami, with the whole big three, I mean, yeah. we saw Dallas win the championship and I don't know. It just seems to me every time this happens, there just seems to be just a abnormal amount of hate. Like it's not just like yeah. we're rooting against a villain, but it's just more like this is hurting the league, which is clearly inaccurate. So yeah, yeah so super, yeah. super inaccurate, right? Like the yeah. league's always in a better place when there's a team that's dominating like, exactly, or, yep. or two teams that are dominating. Like it's, it's, the league, if you look back, it's all done in eras where, oh, hmm, in the 90s, the Bulls were dominating. Oh, in the 80s, the Celtics and Lakers were dominating. Oh, you know, in, 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 in the aughts, it was the Lakers and the Spurs. And, and oh, and then it's the Heat. And oh, and then it's the Warriors. And it's like, it's all done in these sort of spans of this is the team worth following. And we pit the rest of the narrative of the league around that. And that's yeah. never really a bad thing. Um, I think that there is free agency is is obviously what changed everything. Yeah. Um, and players, player empowerment, players being able to choose where they go. Um, you know, we all care about our sports teams. We affiliate with those the same way we affiliate with our religions. Like it's yeah. that level of passion, right? And so when a player decides. I no longer want to don the jersey that represents this core ideal of yours, right? <laughs> this part of you. You guys haven't impressed me enough over the last four or five years. It was fun. I'm going to go over to that city and do it for them and entertain them and win for them. It hurts, right? And so there's also this sort of... It's not make-believe. Any team can win, right? But there's this concept of, particularly for the small market teams, 
oh man, if we just draft well, if we just hit the lottery, literally, then we have our chance. And so when you hit the lottery and you have your chance and you feel like it's developing that direction and that guy leaves, <laughs> like it hurts. And so I think there's this um, weirdly, like almost a collective empathy for the people who are seeing that star leave their town <laughs> because there's more people who are bound to experience a star leaving than there are the star coming to their town. There's four, there's like what, how many teams where people are signing as free agents to, or demanding to be traded there. It's true. It's the heat. It's the Lakers. After that, where are you hearing it consistently? Yeah. Right. Like it's true. It, where are guys demanding to go consistently? It's, it's huge markets. And so I think there's this sort of collective sports empathy for, Hey, I'm the working class guy from Cleveland and right. Or I, I get that guy. And so I'm pissed on his behalf that LeBron left for the glitz and glamor of South beach. Yeah. Screw those people. Screw those rich people on South beach. You know, like there's, there is that element that exists in all of this that's baked into like our culture. Um, and so I think that it, it's a, um, it's a fun exercise to see also who gets vilified and who doesn't um, because like Dame has been like crushed all off season and the heat shouldn't get this and shouldn't get that. And yet like James Harden's over there in Philly yeah. just, like, doing the exact same thing. Yep. Like, nobody's talking about it, doing the exact same thing, demanding to go to one spot and nobody yep. really cares. And maybe that's a, a collective apathy because he's done it so many times before. Um, but again, it's it's picking and choosing. It's ah, uh, he's already he's going from Philly to L.A. What do we care? But Portland to Miami, oh no, you know. And so um, I just I do think that there's it 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 does come from this I think collective empathy of I don't want that to happen to me someday. I don't yeah. want my guy to go. And so and I get it, man. As a as a Marlins fan, trust me, I'm someone who understands like having a great young star and that guy not being there far beyond the start of his career. So um, it's uh, us folks in Miami get both sides of the coin. Oh, I get it. it. It's brutal. I mean, I'm a Bulls fan and, you know, just there's a way and also injuries play a factor in that too. You think you're close and then, you know, oh, Derek Rose. Rose yeah. Happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. It, it, yeah. it, of course, like, you know, again, heat fans always kind of like, poke fun at those those bulls teams sure. the, the derrick rose mvp and whatever but like on the same token that's the perfect example of yep. you think you're there and then injuries you know it, it hurts right and so yeah. when that's the risk and it's oh no injuries didn't cause this it's just the guy wanted to be in this other town more yeah or he wanted to play with his friends Yep. Or like, and we don't have that choice with work at most people, right? As a society, we don't get to just be like, oh, I want to hang, I want to, me and my friends want to get together and we want to go do it in New York <laughs> instead. So I'm going to leave my, you know, what my town in the Midwest and go live in LA and make millions with my buddies and play a sport, you know? And it, and, and so there's this like, there's this, there's this sort of jealousy that I think exists within it too of like, 
yeah, technically we all get to choose where we work, right? But but we're all more a bit of it's like no no I can't imagine anybody listening to this has as much value to their workplace as Giannis Antetokounmpo does to his, you know? And so no matter how good we are at our jobs, literally just from a financial value standpoint, we can't have as much value as as that guy does. And so it's this yearning for like, man, if I only had the ability to just float rumors about where I wanted to work (laughs) next and have everybody acquiesce to that. um, Yeah, it's it's a weird psychological mix up there, I think, when it comes to all of that. No, totally agree. Um, one last question for you. Um, I always like asking this question to any um, Heat reporter, and that's about Jimmy Butler. Um, I think it's – I feel conflicted. I don't feel conflicted about him. I, I'm a big fan of him as a player everywhere he's been. But I think he gets kind of a bad rap somewhat in terms of just being this jerk. But at the same time, I feel like if other players were to have the same rep as he has he has had they would get tons more just um i guess vilified in the league sure. uh, but it feels like with jimmy butler he has kind of like this um old school attitude and i just yeah. want to get, get your perspective in terms of like what he represents kind of of a league that doesn't reflect that anymore i feel like he's kind of old school values that in a new school kind of way can you kind of just explain next i just heard i think it's kind of a couple of seasons ago just him in the off season just him i think him and his boys would just wake up just in early in the morning's work out yeah. on the beach just like you don't really hear that with other players they kind of just you know work out in the gym and they have somebody taking a cell phone video for just you know clout on tiktok and with butler you really see he's putting in the work each and every off season can you kind of speak to that in terms of he's kind of like a he has an old school spirit kind of in this kind of new school kind of nba yeah it's like old school values new school practice yeah um in that like he is the ultimate competitor i mean every single one of the guys on the team when you talk to them about jimmy and the type of competitor that he is excuse me (laughs) apologies um but it, when you talk to every single one of these guys about the type of competitor that that Jimmy is, they're like, yeah, he's he's a crazy person. Like he's <laughs> he is on another level. And I mean, the, the the ultimate story goes back to Minnesota, where he took four practice squad dudes and beat down the starting lineup because he wanted to be traded away from Minnesota. And he did it with a Rolex on. And like those stories are legend um, in large part because. Like you don't find competitionaholics like Jimmy um, in the same way where winning is truly all that matters. Um, I think that comes from the fact that he was an under-recruited player out of high school. Um, and so his AAU experience was probably not the same as a lot of the guys who are now stars in this league. Um, whose job in AAU from the time they were 14 was... Go make yourself look the best. It doesn't matter whether your team wins or loses. Um, that exists in baseball too, by the way. Showcase yeah. baseball has the exact same issue, <laughs> um, which is go throw the ball as hard as you can so scouts can see that you throw 100 miles an hour or go hit the ball as far as you can. doesn't matter if you strike out. And so you have some of the same sort of issues in that like team is not the premise at that age. And th- that's, not like a, that's not me being like, oh, these guys don't know how to be teammates. Because if anything, right, Jimmy has the rep of not being a great teammate. But what I would tell you is everyone who plays with him on this Heat team, all they talk about is what a great teammate he is. Yeah. And it comes from that 
kind of psychological warfare that he plays with himself to make himself this this psycho competitor um because that's who he is he just cares so much about the final result of winning the game he doesn't care how it gets done he doesn't care if it's sloppy he doesn't care if it's pretty he doesn't care if he scores no points or if he scores 50 points he just wants to win and like there are only a handful of guys in the league maybe who really authentically have that mentality there might be a lot of guys who like say it right who are like oh i'll do whatever it takes to win Mm, not not like Jimmy Butler. Um, and I think that, that that part, the reason I can say that so confidently and so clearly is because of the way that his teammates talk about him. It's because of the way that, that those guys um, look at him and say, yeah, like he's different than the way that I am. He wakes up at 4 a.m. and goes and practices with these guys. He's got this crazy weight training regimen and the way he eats and all of this other stuff that he does, but he's clearly mastered it, right? Because his body was at peak efficiency to start the playoffs. Like he knows what he's doing and I don't know how he's figured it out, but he's figured out how to both be psycho competitor and load manage at the same time and be sort of mysterious while also being boisterous. Like he's a very interesting dude. Um, And I, I do think like, his weird love of a bunch of other sports influences this too. Like just he's he's a he's a monster competitor who's interested in a lot and questions everything. And I think that makes him a a better basketball player, better leader, better teammate, all of the above. Jeremy, this has been a fantastic chat. Um, thanks for just imparting your knowledge on just what's going to go on with the Heat. Really appreciate it. Please let our audience know where you can find you on social media, um, where it gets outlets you're working for, and just any other projects you're working on as well. Thank you very much. Um, this was a super fun interview. I hope I didn't bore everybody to tears with my yeah. rambling about Heat culture. Uh, you can follow me at Jeremy Tache. That's T-A-C-H-E. Uh, across platform that's on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok now, which I'm going to start doing more, I promise. Um, you can listen to my podcast, Miami Miked Up, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, it's really fun. I cover the Marlins, the Heat, and the Panthers. Um, so all the teams down here, and hey, a little bit of Dolphins too, all the teams down here in South Florida, um, interviews with, with athletes uh, and analysts from the area. Um, and then, yeah, I'm also, uh, on the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gatz. So you can listen to that. Um, it's super fun. Love the show. Been a fan forever and super grateful to be hanging around with those guys. So if you listen to those properties, um, the main show, mystery crate, wherever you can catch me doing some stuff over there as well. Awesome. Jeremy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.